visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this gathering. We declare the heavens open. Father, we pray that everybody will leave you blessed by this word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Take our seats. Tell the one seated next to you that you are looking very powerful. You are looking very anointed. Hallelujah. And how many of you are glad to be in church today? Why, the weather is making you want to sleep. eh? (laughs) Alright, so... (laughs) We are continuing our series on the church. And um, how many of you are, were at midweek service? How many of you were at midweek service? Yeah, I, I did a part two on what I started on Sunday on the, the man of God. I don't know whether the, the audio is, 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 has been put on the page. Not yet. Uh, okay, so that's the, the man of God too. And um, I went a little deeper with some of the things I mentioned on Sunday. Um, especially in the area of how to relate to a man of God. And I taught certain things which will help us, all of us. When I say us, it's because there are some people who are also men of God in my life. Hallelujah. So it's not like I'm just preaching to you. It applies to every believer has somebody you, you, you look up to, somebody you see as a mentor or as a father or as fathers in a way. And there are certain principles when it comes to relating to some of these people. And I dwelt a bit on showing respect to the anointing, to the, to the grace of God upon the person's life on Wednesday. And I even spoke about the fact that um, you should try not to get too familiar. A lot of people really don't understand this thing about familiarities like, Hey, so, so does it mean if a man of God is here, I should pass here? I mean, don't come near. No, no, no. That's not what we mean by familiarity. Maybe today before I start my actual sermon, I'll give you certain signs that you are getting familiar. I'll list certain things that will let you know that it looks like I'm getting a little familiar with the anointing. Alright? One of the signs that you are getting familiar with with a man of God or you are, you are getting familiar with an anointing is that you begin to feel like you have figured out the man of God it's like matching the formula no? it's like you feel this one, I've cracked the formula I, 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 I know why it is, it is working you feel like oh, you can even predict this next move I, I know the way he does these things. It's a big sign that you are getting familiar. Hallelujah. You have been there before, so I know what I'm talking about. It's a sign that you are getting familiar. I've listened to Bishop Charles Ajinasari for 
close to 25 years now. The prayer he prays for the sick hasn't changed. When he wants to pray for the sick, that prayer hasn't changed. How many of you have heard him pray for the sick before? How does he end it? I call it done. He has what you say. I bind every spirit of eye problems. I bind this, 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 this. He has a standard prayer he prays for the sick. And for the past 25 years that I've known him, that same simple prayer is still getting results around the world. The man has preached the gospel in about 90 countries. Cripples have walked, blind eyes have opened, deaf ears. When it comes to opening your deaf ears, there is like cocoa for him. You know, when the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when it comes to healing, it says gifts of healing. That means there are multiple. There are people who have specialties. He is a spiritual ENT surgeon. Opens deaf ears. When he goes to a place and he realizes the grounds are hard and he wants to break the grounds so that the people start believing, he can stop the sermon and ask for deaf people to be brought. And if you bring 22, all 22 will hear. So that when you are in the crowd and you are not believing, suddenly you realize that Charlie God is here. And your attention is caught. It's, it's the same prayer he's been praying. Hallelujah. I hear some people say, oh, Bishop Dad, it's not that he's anointed. He's just a very good strategist. I've heard people actually say that. That he's a very good strategist. And that is the secret why Lighthouse is working and spreading across the globe like it is. If it is a matter of formula and strategy, I've not seen any man of God who has shared his formula or his strategies with the rest of the world like Bishop Dad. There's a book called the Macarius. It's, it's a collection of books, 40 books on church planting and like things to do with church. How he does those things. He's put all of them in books. I've not seen any man of God who has widely published his strategies like him. But ask yourself, how many people have the results he has? People are practicing them, them things in the Macarius. People are practicing it religiously. The thing is that there's something that is sitting upon his head that you don't have. Hallelujah. So when you begin to think, oh, I've, I've figured out the man of God. Oh, this, I can't predict this next Oh, this one, this is what you do. You just, uh, it is a sure sign that you are beginning to get familiar. Hallelujah. Two, when you begin to feel like you don't need to follow his spiritual instructions. For example, you come to church. Pastor says, everybody lift up your hands. Oh, the hands, whether I lift it up or not, uh, God will bless me anyway. God is here, whether I like it or God is here. He said, Lift up your hands. It's a sign of familiarity. You are, you are getting familiar with the anointing. Hallelujah. And especially those that are very close to the man of God, you can get to a point where when he gives spiritual instructions during a meeting, you feel like, Oh, but I me, mean, I have access, so I can go to his sitting room. If he says, everybody, place your hand upon your chest. Oh, okay, everybody, come and let me lay hands on you. Oh, I can afford to miss it because me, I can go to his house and he'll, if it's oil, I can take a whole barrel to his sitting room and he'll pour it, he'll pour it upon me. So why should I follow the instructions that he's giving? These are little, little signs that you're beginning to get familiar. Another sign is that now you don't even care about I don't use the word displeased, but offending him or getting into his bad books. It's like, 
Oh, I'll do it at the end of the day. He's a kind-hearted man of God, so he will forget it. Oh, let me just do what I have to do, and you know that. Kind of, are you getting the point I'm making? Yeah, it's a third sign that you are getting familiar with the anointing. So these are things we must watch. And I showed you clearly on Wednesday that the moment familiarity comes in, it blocks the flow of the anointing. It doesn't matter how anointed the man of God is. When you start getting familiar, it just blocks the flow of the anointing. And so we must be very careful. It's a conscious thing you must do. In every relationship, you must make a conscious effort not to get familiar. Even in, in relationships with your friends, marriage, everything. It's a conscious effort you have to make. Because the, the human being has a natural tendency to get into that flow of familiarity. Even in your relationship with your beloved, familiarity can become a very, very big problem when you start taking the other person for granted. Some people are very, you know everything. Once they get married, it's like, ah, I didn't know that ring in a woman's ah, like, So, you know, you begin to take everything for granted. You don't care how you speak. You don't care, you know, how you show respect and all of those things. Familiarity is a very, very big problem when it comes to our relationships with one another. And it's also a very strong barrier to our receiving from the people God has brought into our lives. And on Wednesday, I also talked about how to react to maybe weaknesses in the life of a man of God. My strategy is that I don't even want to know. Hallelujah. Psalm 131, verse 1. I don't want to concern myself with matters that are higher than I. I don't want to know. Most of the time, when a scandal breaks out about a man of God, you find out that the thing has been going on for years. But when you didn't know, you were still getting blessed by the sermons. His anointing was still being a blessing unto you. So me, I don't even want to know. I want to close my ears and close my nose and still drink from the cup. Hallelujah. Because the fact that the person has been caught in a fault doesn't mean the hand of God has left him. When you think that way, it means you are spiritually immature and you don't understand the ways of God. The fact that the person has, 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 has done something wrong doesn't mean the hand of God has left him at all. I showed you from, script, from the Bible that even some people, sometimes when the people are even retiring, when it looks like God is in, that's when they are even more dangerous. Eli and things like that. that that's when they, they can do some very, very interesting things. So try not to be too nosy. Try not to know too much. Just have a nice, cool distance and accept, receive from that distance. It's, it's, it's much better that way. Hallelujah. When you are gathered with people and they are talking somewhere about a man of God, you just get up and leave. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear. I'm not the one who called him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? If it's somebody you don't consider a man of God, it's somebody you don't consider as anointed, it's a different case altogether. As of all prophets, we, we must talk about them. Those who are pretending to be men of God and not, as for them, we must talk about them, we must expose them. But if it's somebody you really genuinely know that this person has the hand of God upon his life, maybe it's just one or two human failures, it's best to just stay clear of that area. Hallelujah. But today, I'm continuing with the series on the church and I'm dealing with the topic, the gathering of the brethren. The gathering of the brethren. Everybody say the gathering of the brethren. Hallelujah. 
Today, by the time I'm done, I would have shown you some of the reasons why you don't come to church. Some of the reasons why you don't come for midweek service. Some of the reasons why you don't come for prayer meetings. Hallelujah. And so a lot of people have this mentality that Christianity is in the heart. Christosunu ewo akumemu. Because the Bible says, man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. It's very, very true. God looks at the heart. But there are also some commandments in the Bible. Which must reflect in our heart. And show on the outside. Hallelujah. Some people believe God is everywhere. So I can stay in my room and pray. I can stay in my room and read my Bible. Yes, there is a place for that. But there is also a place for corporate gatherings. Hallelujah. With the advent of technology, internet, live streaming, it's made it easier for people to miss the gatherings of the brethren. It's like, oh, I can stay at home and I'll follow the live stream, YouTube live and Facebook live and, and it's church. I'm, I'm also worshipping. It's a different case if you are at a place where there is no means by which you can join some people to actually worship. Alright, that's a different case. Then some of these things can become useful. Me, for a time, I was locked up in a place where, I mean, they didn't take Christianity serious. There was nothing like church service or I was locked up in this place. And those times, it was radio church services. At that time, FM, like private FM stations had just started springing up. Thank God for Joy FM and those people, people like Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams who had programs on air, Mensa Utabel. And for that time that I was locked up in that place, those were the things that kept me. Because I, I didn't have a choice. Hallelujah. But there is a place for the gathering of the brethren. For people to come together as Christians, to study the word, to listen to the word, to pray, to do things together. Worshipping God on your own, Praying on your own is important. It has its place. But worshipping with people also has its place. And there are certain advantages of that that you will not get if you decide to isolate yourself and just be alone and be on your own to worship. Now when God was instituting the, the Ten Commandments, there was one that was unique amongst them. And that is the, the law about the Sabbath. It's the only one of the ten laws that God himself practiced. Out of the ten, that's the only one that God himself practiced. It's like it applied to he himself. Because the Bible says what? God used the first six days to create the world. Created everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. Just to sit and admire, rest, admire that which he has done. 
So of all the Ten Commandments, the one on covetousness and this and this, none of them applies to him. It's like, but with the Sabbath, he set an example for us. Hallelujah. Somebody will say, yeah, yeah, Old Testament believers, why are you moving into Sabbath and, you know, those things? Some of these things, one of the mistakes the Jews have made is to take the thing by the letter. When you go to Jerusalem right now, on the Sabbath day, the, what do you call it? When you go to a hotel, there are two different lifts. One for foreigners and one, one for Jews. Because on the Sabbath day, it's like the one for the Jews is fully automated. It stops at every floor. Because they believe you mustn't do anything. Even pressing the lift button is work. So everything is automated. You just in there. If it reaches the second floor, you just walk out. But walking to is work, isn't it? Then lie on your bed and be there like that. So unfortunately, it's like we've taken certain things literal. And Jesus showed an example. He healed somebody on the Sabbath day and the Pharisees came and were talking plain. He said, how many of you, if your sheep is so, so, and so, so, on the Sabbath day, you just let it go like that? It is the essence of it that we must practice. Hallelujah. The whole idea of the Sabbath is that you set aside a day that you are saying that, look, this one is for God. God is the most important thing for me on this particular day. My mind is focused on God. You see, for those who work in the health profession, for example, sickness doesn't know weekend. So even on Sunday, you have to go to work. Alright? But when we are talking about observing the Sabbath, it's about a state of the mind where it's like, I have given this day to God. It is God's day. So even if because of work, I'm not able to come to church, my mentality, my mind, my whole mindset my whole being is, is dedicated to God that day. It's like God is the most important thing. I'm thinking about the things of God. I'm doing the things of God. I'm, I'm just appreciating God on that particular day. Hallelujah. And another reason why the Sabbath was important is for the whole principle of rest. Every human being needs rest. Hallelujah. If even God had to rest... Then we human beings, we need to rest. With all his omnipotence and omni whatever, omni, 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 he still needed to rest. A lot of people are dying young because we don't respect the principle of rest. You do locum, locum. it's like you're a serial locumist. You move from, you do night, the whole night, you go to work, you come back, all because you need to make some shen too. We understand. But the principle of rest is important. Mental rest is also important. Hallelujah. You don't overstress your mind with unnecessary things. Sometimes when the worries of life come, give the worry a Sabbath. Today I'm not thinking about the problem. Today I'm, I'm just thinking about the greatness of God and His ability to take me out of this situation. Hallelujah. We overstress our minds and we release stress hormones into our system. So now at young ages people are having hypertension and diabetes and all. Go to medical block and see. Those days a medical block when we were medical students medical block was full of old men and old women but nowadays uh uh-uh. you see early 20s mid 20s, 30s somebody is there comatose with a stroke you go and check the age 28 hey 
There's too much stress in the system. And you see, the, the, the corporate world is now becoming anti-church. Because now they are putting incentives for those who work on Sunday. It's like if you can decide that you will come on Sunday. Those days, I mean, corporate, bank, Sunday. No, 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 no. It will never happen. But now they are putting all those things in place. You will get extra money if you show up on Sunday. And because people don't understand these principles, they are falling to some of these things. So the gathering of the brethren is very, very important. There's a lot of debate. So it's a Sabbath day, Saturday or Sunday or whatever. Whatever day it is, the principle is what is important. Hallelujah. I don't have time to show you. Some people argue that, I mean, it was Saturday. So church service has to be on Saturday. But I can show you scriptures that prove that they were, they were meeting on Sundays as well. The Bible never used the word Sunday, but it talked about the first day of the week. There are about six or is it eight scriptures that actually show that. That we were meeting on Sundays. Alright. So we gathering as Christians is important for us and it's important to God as well. There are certain benefits you get from us coming here together that you will not have being alone in your room. Just as there are advantages of fellowshipping alone with God that you will not get in coming here. So if you want to be a holistic believer, you have to combine the two principles. A lot of people think God is like, you see, we treat God like a reserve. We take care of every other thing. And the extra time that is left, that is what we give to God. As somebody said, we are treating God as a D-O-G instead of a G-O-D. We turn it around. In most people's houses, it's the leftover food that is given to the dog. The bones and things like that. And that is how we are treating God. It's like all other cares must be taken care of before God. If you really understand this thing called Christianity, you will not think that way. And if you understand that eternity is more important than this realm of time that we are in here, you will not think that way. The most important group you can belong to in your life, in your existence, so long as you call yourself a, a Christian, is church. That's the most important. It's more important than, than the school or that institution you belong to. Why? Because the average man has about 70 years to live. That school is giving you a certificate that has an expiry date up to the day you die. You can't cross eternity with your certificates. Uh, Charlie, make her carry. You are going to die. Let me carry. MBCHB. Your nursing, whatever they say, go. It, it has no value there. But you have eternity ahead of you, which is not 100 years, it's not 200 years, it's not 1,000 years, it's not million years, it's forever and ever and ever and ever. So if there is an institution or a group you can belong to that will give you access into eternity and determine. How well you will live in eternity. For me, that institution is more important to me than the one that will give me something whose value will expire the day I die. I don't know if you are getting the point I'm making. The, the most important group you can belong to in your life is church. But really, look at your life. Look at your life right now. When I said it, almost everybody nodded. 
That means you agree with me. But the reality on the ground right now, is it really so? Is it really so? It's not. When it comes to the church activities, we have selected which ones we want. But you don't select which ones you want with school. I must attend every lecture. The time your lecturer has given for this lecture to start, you strive hard to make sure you get there at the time. If they say today we are having lectures from morning to 5 p.m., you stay till the end. If I say we will close church at 5 today, hmm, people will stop listening to the sermon. Suddenly, <laughs> restlessness will come in and people's faces will change and they will suddenly start stretching and making me uncomfortable so that I will close the meeting so that we can all go home. But we are able to stay in class. Money. Continue. Some of the lectures, boring lectures. You come and talk monotonous tone. But because you know there's an exam you must pass, you open your ears and listen. Even if you are sleeping, crying, you get up and shake yourself. And the wife is church, I make a bed. Sleep and open your mouth. Like that. So even though church is supposed to be the most important group, the most important institution for us, we are not living like that. And I don't think it pleases God. It doesn't please God. Look, if you are a member of this church and you are going to be like a faithful member with every meeting, and there are people like that, they attend every single meeting. They are not dead. They are still very much alive. Hallelujah. There are people if I don't see them at a gathering, I'm worried because I know there must definitely be a strong reason why they are not around. Some people have made themselves Sunday believers, Sabbath believers, Sabbatarians. <laughs> Just made themselves. If you want to be faithful with every meeting, this church, we have Sunday service, we have midweek service, we have prayer meeting. Now, every fortnight, we have cell groups. And then, what else? That's it. If you are in a subgroup, you will meet once a week. Choir, prayer, evangelism, you meet once a week. I've done this calculation for you before. In a whole week, you have 168 hours. That's 24 hours times 7. 24 times 7. It's 168 hours. The 168 hours, if you are going to be faithful with every one of these things, let's look at approximately what percentage of the 168 hours that you will use. Church is from 9, 7 to, we close roughly 10 o'clock, so let's say 3 hours. Even though most of you, it's just about 1.5 hours. Because you arrive around 8.15, 8.30 and things like that. At a point today, me I thought we'll be half of this place. So let's say, you let's even use the whole 3 hours. 3 hours. Midweek service, 7 o'clock, 8.30, we are done one and a half hours. So three hours plus one and a half hours is what? Four and a half hours. Prayer meeting, one hour. So five and a half hours. If you are in a subgroup, maybe one hour, one and a half hours. So you let's say one and a half hours. So seven hours. 
Somebody should compute 7 divided by 168 times 100. And give me the percentage of your time in the week that you use for church. If you are going to be faithful with everything that we do. 4.2%. If you had an exam tomorrow and go 4.2%, will you be happy? But it's just 4.2% But in our minds It's so much Hey how can I come for midweek service Come for Sunday service And these ones We are doing it with the assumption that you came on time So if we use the real time That you come It will probably be like 2 2% Of your time But in our minds, it is too much. We feel like if we come to church on Sunday, Charlie, we have tried. You haven't tried. You haven't done anything. There is more that you can do. Hallelujah. There is more you can do. 4.2%. And when an higher result comes and it's not the way you like it, the first thing you want to accuse is the 4.2%. What happened to the 95.8%? Is my calculation right? 95.8%. And it's like when things go wrong, the first thing you want to do is to chip some of the 4.2%. Take some off. So now, because I was expecting 82% and I got 80%. May, may that be your portion. 80% sentence. Spirit of excellence. <laughs> because I didn't want to talk for the things. <laughs> because I was expecting 82% and I had 80%. Let me cut out midweek service. So that I can make up. You really think it's fair? The 4.2% declare minority. If we voted for some people and somebody go 4.2%, can he be president in this country? You never go near the flag surface. Clear minority. But that is what you are, you are blaming. It's like the economy is no good. And you are going to blame... Um, what is it? Or one of those minorities. Or Pakwesi Hindu. Or CPP. And you have CPP's office door. Hey, you people. The, the things are not good in the country. Meanwhile, those with the bigger percentages are there. The ones that are at the helm of affairs. The ones controlling your life. They are there. So, when, when you complain at our church and meetings, and because of this, I won't come for this, I won't come for this, that's exactly what you are doing. It's like blaming CPP. Who had just 1%. I don't think they even reached 1% in the last election. Or PPP. All of them put together. I don't think even the 4% we are talking about they got. And they are the ones rather you are blaming. And accusing of spoiling your life. Meanwhile there's some 95.8%. Only God knows. Sleep probably takes like 42%. Gossiping, 10%. Watching TV, 20%. 
series playing WhatsApp. Ninety-three percent. <laughs> when you wake up first thing, let me check. Those of you who paste things on Facebook, selfie, 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 and you are putting and sharing it. Now there's WhatsApp status too. People can comment and hide, right? You are obsessed the whole day checking. Charlie, who is commenting? Who is liking? Who is doing that? And it takes your whole time and your whole mind. Those are the things you should blame for things not going well in your in your academics. Not that minority four point two percent, which for you is even like one percent, because already you don't do all the things, and the ones that you do, do you don't come on time. For some of you, it's even zero point five percent. Yet, when I said church is the most important institution in your life, you nodded. You agreed with me. Am I preaching to somebody today? (laughs) Look, we must all decide what is important in our lives. We are not being wise at all with the distribution of our time. Bad investors. We are bad investors. Investing all our energy in what will expire in a few years' time. Meanwhile, there are things that are of eternal value. Eternal value. When I preached about the afterlife, I told you that the things we do in the house of God, what we do for God, how much time we dedicate to God, that is what is going to determine how we are going to live in this eternity. Don't think heaven into you and Jacobi and we will all be at the same place. It's not like that. There will be serious segregation. Some people will enter but will not be happy. Ah! Why did I waste my time and all of these things? I'm not saying school is bad though. I believe in school. I've had a bit of it. I teach students. So I believe it. I mean, those of you who are my students, if I see your paper and it is not doing I don't say because you are overflow member, Charlie. Let me let the grace abound. <laughs> I met a church member one time at a viva. And <laughs> I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> You know, when you want to, it's like, it's a panel. Some old professors and things were just squeezing people and being very hard on people. So when it got to my turn, I was like, Charlie, we have to balance the skills because these people, they'll give 4.45% and things like, let's let this one, you know, be small. And sometimes when you think you are helping, mom. <laughs> You realize you are rather thinking the person. It's like, ah, I thought this one. So maybe the person is in the middle of this. And say, Luckily, the, the last one I asked, it looked like the person was really prepared for that one. So I said, okay, now sing the song. <laughs> As another one, it's like the panel I was on was, it's like they were hatchet men. They're giving people three. This, this. I was like, ah, why are you doing that? And everybody was going to be interviewed by two people and were five on the panel and the way i did the permutations i saw the list 
like how the people were going to come. And I realized that if I stayed for the one before the one I know, it means when it gets to that person's turn, the hatchet people will catch and crucify. So when, you see, that's why it's good to belong to a good church, you know. <laughs> when it was time for this one to come, I picked my phone to go and make a call. <laughs> I left the place. So they hatcheted this one, uh, fine. When I saw it was time to answer, I came and sat and said, okay, yeah, Dr. Kakum, take over. And, you know, the grace is abundant. <laughs> The way they were crucifying people, I said, no, no, no. I, don't, I won't allow you to, uh, to crucify my child like that. Not when I'm sitting here. It's different if I'm so bad to sit here like that and give you to them to butcher you like that. No, I'll not do it. I'll not do it. So, I'm not saying education is not important. It's very important. But, there are some things that are also very, very important and even more important for your life. Me, in heaven, I don't mind if in, on earth I live under a summer heart. And in heaven, why? <laughs> it's a figurative statement. It's not literal. Oh. <laughs> That's one problem with being a man of God. Everything you say, people take it serious. That's it. Challenge by the Spirit of God. That's why it's me myself saying my thing. If I say I don't mind living under a summer heart, I mean, I can settle. <laughs> I can decide to settle for less on earth, but not in heaven. Not in heaven, no. Because that one is way longer. This was 70 years, I'm dead. Whatever misery I mean, when you die, the misery will end. Unless, of course, you are going to hell. For double misery, from fire pan to fire. The misery will end. When you go to heaven, it is forever and ever and ever. So, if I place myself such that I'll go and live in a dormitory in heaven. When I've been used to living in my own mansion here on earth. Eternity, no, it's like regrets and ah, I could have done better. He have wasted my time. Why was I wasting all the time on these unnecessary things? So church gives you the opportunity. Just like school gives you the opportunity to have a better life here on earth. Church gives you the opportunity to have a better life in eternity. And for me, eternity is more important than this realm of time. So for me, church is more important to me than school. This one is simple logical. If you don't understand, and they are voila, voila, it's you. <laughs> it's very, very simple logic. And so we must, we must take church serious. We must take gatherings serious. Some of us, when God blesses us with opportunities, the opportunities themselves become a stumbling block to our relationship with God. The problem with the prodigal son wasn't the fact that he demanded his inheritance. That inheritance he got was rightfully his. It was rightfully his. The father wouldn't have released it to him if it wasn't his. It was his. It's just like a good job is rightfully yours. A good school is rightfully yours as a child of God. A good marriage is rightfully yours as a child of God. The problem with the prodigal son wasn't the fact that he demanded his inheritance. It was his right. His problem was that when he got the inheritance, he moved away from the sphere of influence of the father. That was the problem. 
And for many of us, we are behaving the same. The very breakthroughs we are looking for, the job, the school, the open doors, the opportunities, when they come, and truthfully, they are rightfully ours, the moment we receive it like this, we move away from the sphere of influence of God. The things we used to do in church won't do anymore. The ministry things we used to do won't do anymore. It's all now become about the blessing that we have received and we forget the blesser. Forget the blesser. You wrote MBCH, be sweated to become a house officer. But now the house, house job has become a stumbling block. It's very easy to use house job as an excuse not to worship God. We all know the workhorses in the hospital among the doctors is the house officers. If something is wrong on my ward right now, I will not go there. House officers number is on speed dial. Hey, pass the solve the problem. If there is anything, call so so and so. If so so and so can call so so and so and so and so so before you call me, huh? That's how the world is. <laughs> That's how the world is. So when God blesses us, the blessing now becomes a stumbling block between us and God. And it is one of the most unwise things to do. Hallelujah. So let's not take church for granted. Let's not take gatherings for granted. Now I want to show you something. Is God everywhere? Is God everywhere? How many of you believe God is everywhere? All right. So God being everywhere, which, which aspect of God is everywhere? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. Alright? Okay. So when we talk about the presence of God, we are literally talking about the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. True or false? Oh, it's like you are not sure <laughs> what you are saying. It's the Holy Spirit we are talking about. Alright? It's His dispensation. He's the one on the scene at the moment. But the fact that it is one aspect of the trinity's dispensation doesn't mean the others who don't operate old testament even when it was the dispensation of god the father there were times we saw the holy spirit at work at creation and you know that time the spirit of god came upon people they did things and even jesus was appearing once in a while when i was teaching you about angels the work of angels. I told you that there seemed to be this special angel in the Bible called the angel of the Lord. Most of the time when the Bible uses the angel of the Lord, you realize that the attributes given to that entity or that personality is divine. It's not like a normal human being. I mean, it says God himself. It is actually believed it was Jesus on earth before his time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. I don't know how the king got that revelation. He said the, the fourth man, he looks like the son of God. I don't know what, what kind of revelation he had. An unbeliever, but he could discern. This is the son of God. So Jesus was appearing in places. A lot of the encounters people had with God in the form of man, people believe it was, it was Jesus Christ. That's a theological belief. I mean, the one you can choose to believe it or not. So when we talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit, we also have the presence of Jesus. We also have the presence of Jesus. 
Even though most of the time when we are talking about the presence of, the, of God, we are talking about the, the Holy Spirit. We also have the presence of Jesus. So Jesus can literally walk into your room. But it's not always that he does. As for the Holy Spirit, we know he's there. But there's one condition where we are assured of the presence of Jesus Christ. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. Let's read together. Alright. It says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name. This was Jesus speaking. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So this scripture, when we are quoting it, it's it's Jesus we are talking about. Alright? The one sure condition under which we can be sure that we have the presence of Jesus himself. It's when people gather. Hallelujah. So Jesus may not walk into your room. The Holy Spirit is there, but Jesus may not walk into your room. But when we meet like this, we are sure from his words, the words he himself has spoken, that he is here in our midst. And there are things and benefits we receive from Jesus himself being there. Which you may not get being in your room alone. That one he will choose whether to come or not. But this one by his words that he is speaking, he is obliged to come into our midst. So he's here. We are not seeing him, but he's here. And that is one of the advantages of gathering. Because when we gather in his name, we know for sure that he's there. And I'll show you an example of what happened when Jesus came into the midst of, of people when they were gathered. Let's read John chapter 20. Let's start reading from verse 19. John 20. Let's start reading from verse 19. It said, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. Say the first day of the week. That means it was a Sunday. When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, That means they had locked the doors. They were meeting. They were probably praying or having service or something on a Sunday evening. And Jesus, the doors were shut. He just entered. When I taught you about the afterlife, I told you that there's something called the glorified body. The very first person to have had it was Jesus Christ. With a glorified body, it's not like you are a spirit. You have a body. But that body has certain qualities and characteristics that the normal body doesn't have. It can walk through doors and, you know, stuff like that. And so he walked through the door and appeared in their midst. And stood in their midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. So they were in church. And Jesus came there. Just as Jesus Christ has come. For them, he gave them the opportunity to see him. For us, he's not doing that because some people will collapse. There are some experiences you are not having, not because God doesn't love you. He knows your heart cannot take it. what did he do unto them? He imparted peace. There are a lot of things that happen to you in church and it's because of the presence of Jesus in our midst. It's not necessarily because of the word that you receive. Isn't that other times when maybe there's some fear in you, you come to church, 
Nobody preaches about fear. Nobody raises a song and ministers to you about fear. But you live and the fear has left your heart. When Jesus is in our midst, he's not coming here to come and listen to our sermon. It doesn't do anything for him. He comes in here to meet you at the point of your need. To be a blessing unto you. That is, the, that is the reason why Jesus comes. He doesn't come because I'm coming to talk about church. And so, hey, you are speaking to me. You are dialing my number. My preaching doesn't do anything to him. He's here to meet people at the point of thing. So there are needs that will be met. Not from the pulpit. Not from the organ. Not from the instrumentalist. But by the mere presence of Jesus Christ in our midst. They needed an impartation of peace because at that time they were worried. Their master had been killed. They knew if they found them anywhere, they'll be killed. So it's like their mind didn't have peace. There are times when you are afraid of things. There are things upon your mind. It's like war is boom. But you come to church and you leave and suddenly there's this peace that you cannot understand. It was because of the presence of Jesus Christ in our midst. So when people come to church because of a personality, if the head pastor doesn't come to church or he has traveled, I'm not going to come to church. It means you don't understand what it means when we gather as believers. That's because we think everything we receive from here is what comes from the pulpit. What comes through the reading, the, the preaching of the word? What comes through the praise? What comes through the worship? What comes from the instrumentalist? No. Jesus Christ himself is here not to be ministered to, but to minister to people and to meet them at the point of their need. And so by just being here, the sermon may not be for you. You may be above it. You may even know the sermon and preach it better. But by being here, there is a certain need of yours that Jesus Christ meets. You know, things happen in our lives and we don't know why. We can't explain. Where did this opening come from? Where did this solution to this problem come from? Sometimes you come to church, you leave and something you have been battling with in terms of how to solve it, suddenly, nobody preached a word about it, nobody said anything about it, you leave and suddenly an idea comes to your mind. It's because Jesus Christ was here. He has promised wherever two or three are God dead, in my name, I'm there. It is a covenant he's made with us, so he will come. That is the only time you are assured of that presence of Jesus. As for your room, he can choose to come. The Holy Spirit is there. He can choose to come, he can choose not to come. But when you come to a place where people are gathered in his name, because of his own words, he is bound by them. Then he must appear. And when he comes, he's not coming to receive, but rather to give. And I pray that today Jesus will meet a certain need of yours. It may not come from my preaching. It may not come from the words that I'm speaking. It may not come from any prophetic declaration that I'm making. But because of the mere presence of Jesus in this place, may He touch you. And may He meet you at the point of your need. Let's read on. Let's go back to the, to the, to the John. Let's go back to what we're reading in John. John 20, from the 19 to 22. I want to show you more of the things that can happen when Jesus is in our midst. First of all, he imparted peace unto them. I'm sure that day they just left there feeling consoled, energized. They felt stronger. They felt like, look, this thing, we can do it. Next. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad 
when they saw the Lord. Next. So they also became happy. There's a certain joy you can't explain. You come to church and it's like, ah, so today, yeah, I'm happy. I'm just, I'm just happy. Look. He says, I, I, I like it. It's not because the pastor cracked a lot of jokes and I laughed or anything, but I'm just happy. It's because Jesus Christ was there. Hallelujah. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace unto you, as my Father has sent me. Even so, send I you. Next. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The impartation doesn't only come from the laying on of the hands of the man of God. If Jesus Christ is here, and as his word has said, he is here in our midst, you will never leave a gathering of this without an impartation. You may not see the immediate effect of the impartation. By, your, by, the, by the mere fact that you were there, there is an impartation you receive. And I believe Jesus is breathing upon us right now. That's an impartation you receive. If you read Luke's account of the same thing, he even adds some other things. He said he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. When he appeared in Amis, he opened their minds to understand scriptures. You are in your room trying to understand the word of God. Because Christos and you are struggling and you are misinterpreting scriptures, all sorts of things. In the presence of God, when you come and Jesus can, he can open your mind. And you understand certain scriptures. Sometimes they're preaching, eh? I may say something. I'm talking about it in a certain way. But for you, it makes sense to you in a completely different way. Which meets you at the point of your need. Maybe that's not what my aim was when I picked that particular scripture. How many of you have experienced that before? It's like they picked the scripture, they said, and it's like it's a completely different meaning for you altogether, which seems to speak to you personally. Jesus is in our midst and he's opening your mind. He's opening your mind. So let's remove this mentality from our head. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going for a person. On Monday, I was supposed to go and speak in a church, some big church in La somewhere. But because of my eyes thing, I told them I can't come. Apparently that day, people trooped there. When they got there and realized there was a different preacher, they turned back. They said, ah, but that's not what you people told us. Because you're, you're waiting for a particular human being to come and minister. They, got, they were calling them, no, 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 no. Ah, this is not what you told us. Ah, we were expecting a particular person. This is not what you told us. They left. So on Thursday when I went, they came. I hope whatever they were looking for, they received it. But see, we must get away from that mentality that we are coming to church because of a human being. In some churches, the, the head pastor can't announce that he's traveling. Because if he announces, oh, do we have, oh, Luckily, we have very good substitute preachers here. So, whether it's me or not, the word will be good. Hallelujah. And God will be, is raising more of such people. The next one might be you. I might decide that next week you are preaching. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to have a title, Elder Dickie. The Spirit of God can just speak to me that you are preaching next week. Come and bless us with the word. And so, I pray that today your understanding of what the gathering of the brethren is will go to a different level. Before I close, I just want to quickly give you reasons why people miss church. So this one, I'm, I'm confronting the problem. I can give you reasons. I've given you some reasons why you must come to church. At least for one, you know Jesus comes. So you must come. I'll give you reasons why people miss church. 
Reason number one. Laziness. Say laziness. Uh, this one, I, I'll preach it clean. Raw. I mean, I don't fear. Sakati don't do. I don't fear. I will preach it. Laziness. Laziness. Especially when the weather is cold. And it has rained. In Ghana, rain means everything becomes slow. When the weather becomes cool. That is why you won't get a visa to go to Canada. If you call this cold, and because of that you not go to church. In Canada, when you are freezing and your, your jaws are knocking against each other, said that in church you can't even sing. When you are singing, it's like you are speaking in tongues. Then that one, you will make an idol in your room. <laughs> and call it Jesus Christ of Toronto. <laughs> and be worshipping it. Hmm? Sometimes when God doesn't open certain doors for us, we don't understand. No. God knows your heart. And he knows the future. That this place buy you if you go. You stop following me. So because me too, I lied you. <laughs> and I want you around. I shall not open the doors. In my YouTube, hey, God, 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 pray. I say, I push the door open. I break it. I break it. I break it. It won't break it. Your soul is more important to God than your wallet. That job they promise you, Canada, oh, come with this and say, you go and wash plates and you get money. He knows if you go, your soul is in danger. The soul is more important to him than the wallet. He came for your soul, not your wallet, not your bank account. So he too, he will lock the door. And because you don't even have discernment, you continue praying and breaking the door and wasting your energy. When you should be praying for other things, lost souls, you know, unbelievers and things like that. You'll be wasting time. Laziness, pure laziness. We are just lazy. You wake up in the morning and it's like... The bed feels nice. Today the weather brings itself. The weather has brought itself. When you say such things, you are not a believer. <laughs> the weather has brought itself. Yeah, today, yeah. But if it's a school, even if the weather brings itself, you too, you take yourself to the weather. Laziness, number one reason. May we repent from laziness in Jesus' name. Number two, you don't love God and the things of God enough. It's as simple as that. You just don't love that. I'm giving it to you straight. I don't need a ruler. Straight. You don't love God and the things of God enough. That's why this week you are in church, next week you are not. This week you are in church, next week you are not. You, you don't, if you love God, why should it be a problem coming for midweek? When during that time, it's not like you are doing anything. There's something wrong somewhere which you need to work on. So I'm injecting you with a therapeutic drug which will help you to change. Hallelujah. You just don't love God and the things of God enough. Those who love, look, even the physical, when you are in love, you are in a hurry when there is a date, you are in a hurry, you can't sleep. What was the last time Saturday you couldn't sleep because Charlie Sunday we are coming to church? Or Wednesday you are in school and oh, I'm in a hurry. 
to come for midweek service. When it's time for the date, hey, everything else comes to a standstill. And you are looking forward to meeting that person. Because that person is special. God is not special in your life. No, 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 no. no. Some of you, the song we sang today, you shouldn't have sung some. I love you. You don't love God. You love school. You love your beloved. You love your job. You love money. You love sleep. And your bed and your pillow. They are your comforters. It's not the Holy Ghost. Of your pillow. You just love the sleep. Hug the pillow like that and put on the phone. <laughs> yeah, he dead heaven. He's sweet. <laughs> you don't love God though. When we sing such songs, you should be crying and repenting. Love you, live that love you. You don't know you don't love God. You love your school more. If you really love God, it is Wednesday evening, Saturday evening. Some of you have you ever asked yourself, why is it that I, I, I ask for me, I've never come for a prayer meeting before? It is a love problem. It's a love problem. It's not like you live so far away. Look, in the natural, when you love somebody, that's why I said, Domi Abra, you will go. Somebody said, even if you were far away behind the Mediterranean Sea, I will swim across just to give you a flower. <laughs> that is love. The day we were going for our engagement at my wife's house, long distance from my house, my aunties were like, hey, so you were making this trip all this while. Long there, we were going, we were not reaching. <laughs> so you were making this trip. Going long distance. When there is love, distance is not a problem. It is never a problem. When you start using distance as an excuse, it means there's a love problem. It's a love problem. Somebody went to Bolgatanga. Traveled the entire length of the country to go and marry a bride. That's right. That is proper love. And he pulled all of us along. <laughs> all the way. Long distance. Those who went by road, they regretted, hey, dear Dean. Some of us, we had vision, so we went, <laughs> Even the trip from Tamale to Bonga, it wasn't a joke. How much more Accra to Tamale and then Tamale to Bonga? Like one whole day. All of you, when you came, come to candy for DVD. Sitting down for that long. When there is love, distance is not a problem. There are people in this church who come from far. Very, 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 very far. That people come from Teshi Nungwa. There's one person who comes from Insawam. Insawam is not in a crowd. And he's usually one of the first people to get here. He wakes up 4.30 a.m. to come to church. You that you are just here. 
It's a love. You don't love God. You don't. You don't. Until recently that Moses got accommodation here in Kolegono. He was coming from Adenta. Adenta. Yet he was present Sunday. He was present Wednesday. He was present Saturday prayer meeting. And for evangelism. Still winning souls and bringing people to church. So that when we ask, who brought you? He said, Adenta. All the way. When you love God, distance is not a problem. So such a person who has proved faithful, even when coming from Adenta, God will look at him and touch somebody's heart to dash him a car. Mm. Collect it. God, he can do anything. No. Uh, as I'm speaking right now, the angels are moving and causing what I'm saying to come to pass. Yeah. Just dash you. Just dash you. That's you. Nice Kia Picanto. <laughs> you see, now, those kind of cars, one of the best gifts anybody can give to you. Look, if, if I decide to dash you a car and I give you the choice between the one I drive right now and pick Kia Picanto, pick the Kia Picanto. Because when I give you the Kia when I give you mine, I've given you a liability that will take money out of your pocket. 3.7 liter engine. So I tell you how much I spend on petrol a, a, a month. You don't want to know. But if I give you Kia Picanto, one, fuel economy low. Two, you can decide to make money out of it by turning it into an Uber. So that on weekends, when now you want to feel like a car owner, you say, Uber driver, take a Sabbath and give me the car. Let me drive myself. Uber nowadays is generating at least 1,500 CDs a month for you. So if somebody dashes you that one, it's a very big blessing. May that blessing come your way in Jesus' name. If there is love, distance is not a problem. It's not a problem. Reason number three. Inactivity and isolation in church. When you are inactive in church, when you wake up in the morning and those laziness demons and things start attacking you, you don't have a reason why you must come. But when you are active in church, you are an usher. You are in the choir. You are doing something. At least that alone is a reason. And it will help you to... Sometimes overcoming these things is not praying and binding you. You just need a good reason. Most of you, you just need a reason. And by the end, I will give you some reasons. Why you must come. It will help you. There are some people, they have isolated themselves. like They don't have any friends. In the church, they may argue, and nobody has come to make friends with it. you. Too, you haven't made friends with anybody. It's not anybody's obligation. You are obliged to get to know each other. You've isolated yourself, and in the house of God, it's dangerous to be isolated. You are like that zebra on the plains. That's where the lions also hunt. They don't go for the zebras that are in the middle of the back. No. The one that is doing too no. Me, I want to eat on my own. So I want to feed on the word alone in my room. So you are feeding, feeding. Lions say, okay, 
Be there. <laughs> Wait for us to have video. You are getting excited and, hung, and I, what do you call it? Filled. Just puts his eyes on you. The Bible says the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may. That means every time he's looking for somebody to chew. May you not be that meat for the teeth of the devil. And he decides to attack. He will chase you and wear you down and finish you. By the time we realize you, there's nothing like Christianity around you. Or some calamities and things. Just, you just destroy your life. The mere fact that you are in the park, it is protection on its own. The mere fact that you come, you fellowship with us. As I told you, Jesus comes here and he does things. Some of you, Jesus' presence here alone, he has sacked some demon that has been assigned and has been following you. He sacked the demon. He just go away. Just because Jesus is here. So, isolation, inactivity in church. Reason number four why some people don't come to church. Sin in the course of the week. I like the way the place is quiet. Sin in the course of some people feel, Charlie, this thing that I did, dear, I don't, I'm not fit. I'm not fit to come to church. I'm not fit to come to meet Jesus. But the, 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 the scripture that I read to you, when Jesus appeared to the people, there was one of them that he was supposed to have an issue with. That's Peter. The last time they spoke, he told Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter said, me, well, lie. it will never happen. He said before the court closed, not once, not twice, three times. And denying is as bad as betrayal. Because in both cases, we in Myanmar. It's very, very bad. Denying three times. It's, it's, it's a sin. It's a very bad thing. So you would expect that after Jesus prophesied that this is what you do, and he challenged and said it will not happen, and it indeed happened, you would expect that their very first meeting, which was this one that I read, when Jesus met him, first he would say, Peter, I told you. I told you so. But Jesus didn't even talk about it. Instead, he imparted peace upon him and he released the Holy Ghost upon him. Jesus is not looking for you to run away when you have sinned. That is when he even wants you to come closer. That is when he wants you to come closer. The devil will, will, will deceive you. that No, no, no. You are not fit. You can't come. Oh, because Saturday night, you and your boyfriend, some funny, funny things happen. I'm not saying go and let it happen. And control yourself. Hallelujah. But even if it happens, come to church. Because that is what, that is what you need to be able to overcome that weakness in your life. So, there is medicine that can help you to overcome a certain sickness. But when you get sick, you avoid that medicine. You create a chronic, the thing becomes chronic. It becomes more difficult to handle. And that is the deception of the devil. That, oh, don't read your Bible. You are, you are not fit. When you are, you are passing by some preaching cry, you feel bad that these words are entering your head because you're going to do something bad. But that is what you need. To help you to come out of the situation. It is the gathering of the brethren. That demon that has been causing you to do those bad things. If you come here and Jesus sees that demon. He will sack that demon. And that is what you probably need. But Satan has deceived you. Oh because I've sinned I'm not fit. That is when you must come into the presence of God the more. Hallelujah. 
don't let sin in the course of the week prevent you from coming into God's house. When you sin, God has made a provision. He said, if we, we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Look, the cleansing power of Jesus Christ is one tattoo. The thief by his side, one touch. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. Back immediately. Not three days, not seven days, not five days. It's not like the blood of sheep and goats and rabbits and things like that. That one is one touch. So if you genuinely repent and you pray for forgiveness, he forgives you. But he's not going to kill you because you come into his presence. Hallelujah. So that's reason number four. And then the last reason. People don't come because they are succumbing to demonic influence. Sometimes it's, it's pure it's not it's not it's pure demonic influence, and I know what I'm talking about. Pure demonic influence. Sometimes people don't come to church because demons have influenced them not to come. So many years ago, I was praying with some brothers on the on the field. And God opened two people's eyes. When, when one person says he's seen something, you can say, oh, maybe it's a song. But when two people see at the same time, it's a confirmation. Two people, they also at the same time. They all saw a certain man wearing something. He was holding a rope. You see that rope that there's a loop at the end. Sometimes they bullfighters and things, they use it. They just, and then they stretch it. And, and the man was standing there, strange looking man. And it's like in the ministry, he was just, just standing there. He would throw the rope. When it, it gets around you, and then he will squeeze you. And the person is there, and the person just falls down. Another person, just like that. And the interpretation was that that is what was causing the people not to come to church. They were not being regular. Another revelation somebody too saw. It was like. A big bar of iron. It was like this entity was going around and putting it up on people's heads. So it's like some heaviness. You just don't feel like coming. When you come cry and we are worshipping, you don't enjoy it. It's like we are praising. You don't even see the point why people are excited. You know, that kind of thing. Some heaviness. A lack of joy. Demonic influence. If you read Rejoiner's book, The Final Quest. God opened his eyes. He saw some Christians. They were like on all fours. And demons were sitting on their backs. That's why you don't feel like coming to church. Why is it that you are free on Wednesday. But you just don't feel like coming for midweek service. You are doing nothing on Saturday evening. But you just don't feel like coming to pray. Sometimes it is actually demonic influence. And today, any demon sitting on anybody's back, we sack that demon today in the name of Jesus. Some of these is not flesh and blood. You are just there. You just don't feel like it. It's not flesh and blood. That's point number five. Last point. Pure disobedience. That will cause them children of disobedience. They've just decided that I will not do. I will not come. No matter what the pastor says. And some of you are saying that right now. I have preached and preached and said things and said, in your mind, I won't do. A woman told the story. She said, she has children. A young woman. She said, there's one stubborn one. 
When you send it, go and take this one and you look at you and say, yeah. It means I won't go. Little one. Some of you are like that. Yeah. I'm saying, come to church in coming. <laughs> fellowship with the brethren in fellowship. Be. That's what you are saying to yourself today. Yeah. See the way I preach and I'm sweating. You don't care that I preach in your mind. Yeah. I will not come. I have made up my mind. As for my Wednesdays, it's for me. As for my Saturdays, it's for me. Yeah. Maybe we should officially recognize the yeah ministry in the church. It's another subgroup. Yeah. Not come. I pray that the in your spirit will not overcome you in the name of Jesus. That sometimes it's pure disobedience. You've just decided that I won't take it. What you said. And for me, that's the strongest point I'm making today. Because if I'm able to overcome that in your spirit, and I have a feeling most of the time that is the problem. There are a lot of things we've taught from this pulpit. But you've just decided in practice, I won't do it. In I won't do. I won't come. But may the Lord help you to repent. And may the Lord bring you to the place where you value the gathering of the brethren. And by obeying his word to fellowship with the brethren, may you begin to see the hand of God in your life like never before. May you begin to see the miracles of God, the open doors of God like never before. I just want to end with a scripture. We'll just read it and that will be it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'm sure you thought that was what I was starting. I decided to end with it. So that you don't get familiar and think you have figured out the man of God. <laughs> Is that not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much there more? Give me NLT. Give me NLT. Give me NLT. And let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do. Say some people. The people. But encourage one another. So if somebody calls you and is encouraging you to come to church, don't get angry. Don't think the person is, is, is infringing on your rights. The person is obeying the word of God. If your cell overseer calls you that, Oh, I hope I'll see you in church on Saturday. Don't get angry. The person is just obeying the word of God. Encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. They were talking about the day of Christ returning drawing near. That was 2,000 years ago. We are nearer nearer. But then before this one. Before this one. He said something. Let's go to the 24. He said, let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works. Is it a good thing to come to church? Is it a good thing to come for prayer meeting? Is it a good thing to come for midweek service? So he says, let us think of ways. So that is our assignment. Think of ways to motivate one another onto good works. Me, I have thought about one. One good way. And I'll share that with you. And then I'll sit down. 
one good way of motivating one another. Hallelujah. Say so we are in cell groups now. How many of you are in cell groups? Give me a wave. Give me a wave. It's a powerful thing. Yes. Very soon, in fact, in a few weeks' time, Pastor Gideon, we are going to have a cell outdooring day. Alright? So that day is dedicated to the cells. The cells are looking for names. When you choose a name, you do an outdoor, isn't it? You come and outdoor your names. Alright? So between now and then, all the cells, design a t-shirt for yourselves. Okay? You must have your own unique t-shirt for how many of ever or whatever number of you design your t-shirt so that they will come here and you come and tell us your name the meaning of the name and then we'll give you three minutes to just be a blessing unto us as a self whether you sing or you prophesy or one person will give an exhortation it is up to you we are going to outdoor the cells it will be very soon. I mean, it's not like we are talking future, future. Very, 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 very soon. Alright? So, design a t-shirt. So, you all appear in your t-shirts. Like that. So, very soon, we are going to have a cell day. The whole day, nobody is going to preach. The cells are going to minister to us. Hallelujah. Yes. And then, as a way of encouraging each other. Because some people, they just need a reason. Just give them a reason. Maybe all the reasons I've given still in Every month, at the end of every month, we'll gather statistics. Sales. Statistics. So, if we take, let's say, I don't know the name, so maybe Bobole Bobo. Bobole Bobo. Cell group. We will get for every week. So today that we've come, for example, the leader is supposed to take, let's say if there are 10 people in a group, and 7 people came to church. So for this week, they have 70%. It's a percentage. We can't use absolute figures because some cells are bigger than others. So it's the percentages we are going to use. So Baboli Baba group got 70% when it comes to Sunday service attendance. Same for Wednesday and then Saturday prayer meeting. And at the end of the month, Pastor Gideon will find the average for each cell. And at the end of every month, I will publish <clears throat> the top five. There is another suggestion to do top three and bottom three. So I'm considering both of them. Hallelujah. We are what? Encouraging each other unto good works. So you will be your brother's keeper. Charlie, are you coming to church? <laughs> and don't feel bad doing it because when the person comes to church, Jesus will be here and the person will be blessed. Yeah. So I'm debating between this just top five and then top three and bottom three. So if you are constantly in the bottom three, then you know that, Charlie, you have to encourage each other to come to church on Sunday, to come for midweek service, and to come for prayer meeting. Is it a powerful thing to do? Is it a biblical thing to do? 
them put your hands together for the Lord. by this message. For information on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024-873-7450. Stay blessed.